Well, um, I'm really glad you're with us this morning. Welcome to Christ Church 2014. How you like it? Notice the changes? <laughs> Nothing. All right, anyway, uh, but I hope you're having a great 2014. It's the new year. I'm looking forward to it. Are you looking forward to the new year? Yeah, okay, all right. Uh, and in 2014, just like we do with every new year, uh, we look back at 2013 and we evaluate maybe where we've been and we look forward to 2014 and we, we think about what 2014 could possibly be, all right? So who's looking forward to 2014? Who's looking forward? Come on, come on, hands up. You're looking forward to it, all right? Anybody looking forward to anything specific in 2014? Anybody got their hands up, right? Anybody looking forward to a specific date in 2014? You might have like a day they're just really looking forward to. Well, Angela and I have a day we're looking forward to. August 10th, our fourth baby will be born. We found that out over Christmas. So we're looking forward to 2014. So August 10th, we'll have a little Angela or a little Grant. We pray a little Angela. Uh, but anyway, um, so we're really, really excited about 2014. And, and as we look forward to 2014, some of us, we make resolutions, right? And if you're being honest, everyone in this room, you've probably made some sort of resolution. Whether you say it or not, you've probably made some sort of resolution. I mean, uh, if, if, I, if you had to raise your hand, uh, how many of you think that you've made some health resolutions? Anyone, may, maybe you're going to eat better. Maybe lose weight. Maybe you're going to just, you know, not uh, eat a, a Twinkie for every meal, right? That's something I'm personally shooting for, right? Uh, and, and so maybe you've made something like that. I mean, I, I, my, my parents have done the same thing. My, my dad, you look at that, that nice strapping young man, right? But he wasn't always the, the slender man he is. And, and he dealt with weight at some point in his life. I, I remember very vividly, uh, I was in my parents' room and, and I was watching TV with my mom and we saw my dad over standing on the bathroom scale and uh, he was like sucking in. You know what I mean? Like that's what we do sometimes. And my mom turned to me and said, look, he thinks that's actually going to help. And so she yells in there, that's not going to help. And my dad yelled back, sure it is. It's the only way I can see the numbers, right? So, <laughs> so anyway, maybe you've made health resolutions. Maybe you've made resolutions with your family, right? Uh, maybe, maybe something about uh, uh, how you treat people in your family. I know I've made a resolution as a father to be more informative with my children. Uh, the other day, uh, Max dropped candy on the ground, and my wife uh, got onto him and said, no, 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 don't, don't put that back in your mouth. And he said, why? He's at that stage, why? And she said, it's got germs on it. He says, how do you know it has germs on it? And she said, well, I'm a mom. And before you become a mom, they, they give you a test so that you have to know everything. And if you, if you pass that test and you know everything, they let you be a mom. And, and if they don't, if you don't pass that test, you don't know everything, they don't let you be a mom. And so Max sat there and thought about it for a second. And he said, oh, I get it. So if you don't know everything, then you have to be the dad, right? So I've made a resolution to be more informative. But you know what? The new year's no different for the church. The church is the same way. We look back at 2013 and we evaluate where we've been, what we've done, where the Lord's led us, where we've been faithful, where we haven't been. And we look towards 2014 and we say, God, what do you have for us in 2014? Well, there are two things that the elder body uh, has looked at and prayed over and considered. There's two things that we are convinced is where the Lord's leading us in 2014. One is this feeding ministry. I really hope we are able to have that meeting today. This feeding ministry we're going to do we, we've linked up with the Mid-South Food Bank. Um, you've seen us do food baskets at Thanksgiving and at Christmas time. Um, but but when, when we get this thing going, uh, we'll be the, the second largest distributor that the food bank 
uh, uh, gives food to. Do you understand? Like, this is a huge deal. It's not just going to be another ministry on top of ministries, right? We have a women's ministry, we have a men's ministry, we have a feeding ministry. No, it's going to be central to who we are and what we do. I, I could not be more excited about it. The second thing that, the, that we wanted to lead you guys to um, is, is this book. And it's going to be our focus over the next six weeks. Um, this is I Am a Church Member. We sold some of these books last week. We've got a few more up here. If we run out, we will get some more for next week. Um, and we're going to be preaching through this over the next six weeks. I Am a Church Member. If you buy it from us, it's, it's $5. That's what we paid for it, I promise. Uh, and so if you buy it from us, you save yourself some money. If you go buy it from the store, it's $9. If you want the Kindle version, it's also $9. So $5 from us. We've got some. We'll have someone up there, right? Um, and so we're going to be looking through this uh, over the next six weeks. And you might say to yourself, why are we looking at being, what does it mean to be a church member? Why, why in the world? I, I've been a church member my whole life, right? I, I have. Some of you haven't, but, but I have. I mean, I, I, I can't remember a time I wasn't in church, right? And being a church member is a big deal. Some of you are the same way. Some of you have been members of church here uh, at, at Christ Church when the doors opened 30 years ago, right? So why are we talking about what it means to be a church member? Well, to answer that question, we have to answer another question, and it's the first part of your notes there. What is the church? What is the church? Now, notice that I, that's a capital V, all right? I'm talking about the, the global church, not just the local church. We mainly belong to the global church, right? We mainly belong to, to that church. That's what we're grafted into as we follow Jesus and become believers. And if I were to ask you, what is the church? Most of you in this room would probably give a very satisfactory answer, if not an exemplary answer, about what the church is. But as I prepared to answer this question this morning, as I was preparing for that, uh, I was reminded so much of how important the church is and what the church really is. Things I, I take for granted and even overlook. So let's answer that question real quick. So to define the church, let's look at what the church isn't. So the church isn't man-made, but, number one, there on your notes, it's God-made. The church is God-made. So many people avoid church because they think, you know, this is a man-made thing. You know, I, I, me and God, we're good. Like, I don't, I don't need anybody else. But it's not a man-made thing. This is a God-made thing. In Hebrews chapter 10, God instructs us to meet together. Uh, and there's so many other uh, books in the New Testament where he gives us instructions on, on how to organize ourselves. And you look in Titus and, and Paul's letters, especially to the Corinthians, which we're going to look at today. And, and he gives us in certain ways to help the church. Ephesians chapter 4 tells us this. So the church is not a man-made thing. This is a God-made thing. Secondly, the church isn't supplemental, but integral to the Christian life. You might hear people say something like, yeah, I go to church every now and then, uh, but you know, like when I, 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 I'm at home, I, I kind of got my own church going on, right? Like, like I pray and I read my Bible and, and, I, and I even sing and all that, and that's great, and you should be doing that anyway, right? But the church isn't some sort of uh, a salve or some sort of balm that you put on when you need it. The church is integral to us as Christians. The Christian life isn't designed to be done on its own. Look at what the look at what the scriptures say we do for one another. What we how we serve one another in the body of Christ. We pray for one another. These are commandments, by the way. We bear one another's burdens. We admonish one another. We challenge one another. We encourage one another. We mourn together. We rejoice together. We meet needs. We confess sins, right? It's a big deal. 
The, the church is designed there, again, not to be uh, a supplemental, but to be integral to the Christian life. The third thing, the church isn't God's institution, but His bride. When we think about institution, like institution's sterile. How excited can you be about an institution, right? Uh, my, uh, my insurance is through State Farm or whatever, and that's an institution. And we've been treated right, and, and I like them, and they're good people, right? But I'm not that excited about the institution. If you came up to me and said, uh, you know what, I hate State Farm, right? I wouldn't punch you in the throat or anything. I don't know. I'm kind of a wild card. I might. But uh, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't get upset or anything like that. Like, okay, it's an institution. You don't like it or whatever. Go get insurance somewhere else, right? Like, I don't care, right? And so an institution, it's, that, that's, it's very sterile. And so when we think of the church as an institution, well, I don't like the church. I love Jesus, but I don't like the church. Well, if we think of it as an institution, well, that's sterile. That seems kind of harmless, but... That's not the words, and that's not the way that Jesus chooses to relate the truth of what the church is to us. Instead, he calls it his bride. In Ephesians chapter 5, um, he uses this illustration. Uh, he says that, that he, he reveals to us that mainly our marriages exist, mainly to give us a better picture and to show the world how Christ relates to us, how Christ relates to the church. And so when he's talking to the wives, when he's giving instructions to the wives, he's referring to them uh, as the church. When he gives instructions to the men, uh, he says that uh, uh, we should love our wives as Christ loves the church. So again, he uses that picture. In Revelation chapter 14, 19, 21, we get a picture of the church as his bride. That's not sterile. That's deeply personal, right? So not loving her is a big deal now, isn't it? It's a big deal to not love the church. For you to say something like, you know, Jesus, I love you. Not too crazy about your church, right? Is that, is that going to work out? That'd be like you walking up to me. You know what, Grant? I love you. I want to hang out with you. But your wife, real needy, kind of hypocritical, don't like her hair. All right? Like, I don't, I want to hang out with you, but I can't be around her stupid face. Right? If you said something like that to me, are we going to be friends? No, I'll go to jail. I don't mind. Right? Like, like there's going to be some assault. That's not okay. She's my bride. In fact, the Bible says that, that we're one. We're connected in that way. So if you don't love my bride, you don't love me. In the same way, if you love Jesus, you love his bride. You have to, right? It's that intimate. When, when Jesus said to Peter, do you love me? What does he follow that up with? Feed my sheep. What's he saying? Do you love me? Take care of my bride, right? Isn't that incredible? So the church isn't God's institution, not sterile, but deeply personal. It's his bride. And fourthly and lastly, the church isn't a light, but it's the light. There are many good things in our world uh, that through God's common grace exist. By God's common grace, there are charities that aren't Christian charities that are doing uh, wonderful things. By God's common grace, um, there are organizations that work on behalf of, of, of many different injustices in our world. And that's wonderful. However, here's what sets the church apart. That, that maybe some of these relief organizations, maybe some of these charities that, that are only there and only exist by God's common grace is that, is that we have the hope of the world. We are called the light of the world. 
So the church is just not just one other good organization to be put alongside many other organizations. It is the light of the world. It is the good organization, right? So the church is God-made, integral. It's His bride. It's the light of the world. The church is kind of important, kind of a big deal, right? And so now that we understand that, now that we understand how crucial the church is, now we can answer that, we can ask that question, uh, what is a church member? What does that mean? And we can answer that now because we see it's important. That's an important question to answer. Why are we talking about this? Because it's important. If the church is that important, then it's really important for us to figure out, how do I fit into that, right? How do I, how do I, I become a part of that? But before we continue, let me make this clear. You mainly belong to the global church. You mainly belong to all those who follow Jesus, right? You mainly belong to that church, okay? When, when Christ returns, it's not like we're going to be segregated by churches to, okay, uh, Christ Church next. Uh, no, not all of you, right? Uh, I've got uh, Bartlett Baptist over here. Uh, okay, you guys come up here. No, 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 you're mixing with faith. Don't, don't do that. I know you did that on earth, but stop, all right? So come on up, right? No, no, no. You mainly belong to the global church. But as we look at what a church member is, our focus will be, as we answer that question, will be on the local church. Now, the local church, again, is not a man-made idea. It's not something we came up with, okay? This is something we're following the precedents and the teachings and the guidings of the New Testament and of the scriptures that God gave us, okay? And so the local church, again, it's just a, it's just a, a, a local expression of that global body we belong to. And that's how we're going to be answering this question in that context, okay? So again, when I'm, I'm talking about church membership from here on out and in this book, uh, we're talking about it from a local level, just a local expression of the global bride we belong to. So let's answer that question. What is a church member? To start, we need to start with what is membership. When I say membership, what comes to mind? What comes to mind in your head? What, what pops in your head? You can yell it out. That's fine. What is it? Please don't be, uh, uh, no, no expletives, Dad. Anybody? Yes? Club. All right. Club. All right. That, that comes to mind when I think of membership. Anything else? Anything else come to mind? What? Motorcycle. motorcycle gang. Okay. All right. Uh, motorcycle gang. That I really wasn't expecting that, but uh, okay. From the bald man with the beard. That makes sense. Okay. Uh, do we have, uh, can, I get, can I get some ushers to surround that, uh, that area? Um, anyway. Yeah. What else? What else comes to mind? Cult. Oh, gosh. Okay. All right. Well, uh, my dad has a checkered history. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so, yeah, a lot of things come to mind when we think of membership. But I think even, uh, even as, as we think of those, uh, this, this next word I'm going to say, hopefully it fits in with your idea uh, of membership. And, and I think in our culture, this word, it, it just popped right in my head when I thought of membership. Perks. Perks. That's why I belong to a club, right? That's why I want a membership of something is because there are perks for members, right? And, and now, listen, uh, I, I, I didn't necessarily um, uh, grow up with a, with a silver spoon, and so, um, uh, but you know what? I do enjoy the finer things, so I'll tell you some things I belong to, uh, some memberships I hold that maybe some of you one day will be able to, to get there, right? Maybe through, through diligence and things like that. I belong to a club, a very exclusive club. Uh, maybe you've heard of it. It's called Netflix. Um, and what this club, some of you have heard of it. Excellent. Okay, maybe I'll put a good word in for you if you'd like a membership. 
I used to belong to a club called Blockbuster, but it closed. Uh, so now I'm a member of Netflix. And, and what Netflix does for its members is it, it puts a ton of movies and, and, and TV shows right at your fingertips, right, right whenever you want them. I belong to a, another organization. Um, I, believe, I believe it's pronounced uh, Kroger. Some of you might know it as Kroger. Um, and because I'm a member there, if I spend $1 million on groceries, I get one cent off a gallon of gas. So, there are perks, right? Now, why do they give us these perks? Here's the point. These organizations want you, so they give you perks. And also, these organizations can lose you, so they give you perks. I, I think about, um, uh, that, 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 that makes sense, and, and, and we, we really kind of take advantage of that from time to time, right? How many of you, let's be honest, how many of you have called your cable company and totally bluffed? Come on. You called your cable company and you said, man, I, my cable is messing up. Uh, I just like to cancel. You have no intention of canceling. Anybody? Anybody? You're waiting for that manager to say, three months free, right? Like, and, and anybody, you, you do that. If they don't treat you right, you, know, you go, you know what? Membership has perks. I want my perks. Treat me right. I belong to a bank. I was going through the drive-thru at lunchtime. They had one person working as a teller at lunchtime. So I sat there for 12 minutes. And what do you think is going through my head? That poor lady. I just... You know, I'm going to tell her she's doing such a great job. You know what was going through my head? How, can I switch? Is there another bank right over here? I'm going to pull all my money out right now. I'm going to switch banks. It's, a, it's really about us. And in the book, he uses an example of a, of a country club. I don't have a lot of experience with a country club, but I do have a good friend who used to work for one. And the stories he told me of the things he had to do just to keep members happy. He recalls a story of a guy getting really upset at this, this uh, golf swing he took. And, and so he smashes the club in front of him and then hands in the mangled mess and said before I get to the 18th hole have it repaired what right like that is absolutely mind-boggling but what clubs exist for the membership and we've all been guilty of it I'm the chiefest of sinners on this one right of wanting the, the church to do for me right and that's why these things happen and none of these are made up these examples I'm giving you none of these are made up People leave the church because the pastor didn't visit their sick aunt that they never told the pastor about, right? Or, or people constantly demand their own way, or, or people think they'll get their way because they say, you know what, I've given my money here for 30 years. Or, or people have said to the pastor, no joke, it's not made up, I, I tithe to this church so I pay your salary, so basically you work for me, right? Or, or they leave a church guilt-free just by saying, you know what, I just wasn't being fed there. Right? I mean, whatever that means, but we've heard it. Or we leave, we leave or pitch a fit over uh, music choices or, or even volume, right? Or, or some of you would probably run up here and hit me with a bat if I preached 10 minutes long today, right? Like, that, that happens, right? That was our senior pastor, by the way. So, pray for our church. All right, so... That happens because that, that club mentality, it's crept into our churches. It, it's crept into here because that's our understanding of membership. So when we say church membership, that's what membership is, right? There are perks, right? I can leave. I can join another one. And it's killing our churches, and we've all been guilty of it. And again, I'm right there. I'm, I'm number one, okay? You're lining up behind me. I've, I've grew up in a church, so I'm used to the church meeting my needs, serving me. And I have that mentality so many times. So we're going to spend the next six weeks exploring that. And, 
And our, our first chapter here is, I'll be a functioning church member. And, and it's really simple because all that title says is, I'm a church member and, and I'm going to contribute. I'm going to do something, which is a little bit different than a, a country club mentality. And so today's sermon, we're going to be exploring that idea. And we're going to look at, go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to be mainly in chapter 12. We're going to look at a few verses in 13 and 14, but mainly in chapter 12. Go ahead and turn there. Now, this context, uh, let me give you this context of, of Corinthians, and this is, this is why we're going to be in chapter 12. It's going to be so helpful, because Corinth was a mess. The, the people that were, were members of this church, um, they knew what membership was because uh, they used to belong to pagan temples. They used to belong to, to worshiping other gods. They, they used to belong to other organizations. So their idea of membership was made up and defined by their culture. Sound familiar? Same here, right? And so, so they, were, they were, suffered the consequences of treating their membership in the church as they treated their membership elsewhere. And, and he even starts there in verse 20. He says, I don't want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. So, so again, they, they served pagan idols. And, and so what he's saying is, look, everything you know about belonging to something, everything you know about serving something, it's completely different here. Right? It's, I'm going to turn it on its ear. And the same thing here for us today. So let's start in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Number one, every church member is gifted. Every church member is gifted. Look at verse 4. Beginning of verse 4. Now there are varieties of gifts. You can underline that. But the same spirit. There are varieties of service. Probably another good thing to underline. But the same Lord. There are varieties of activities. Another good underline. But it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each, definitely underline that, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. To another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as He wills. Everyone has been gifted uniquely. We believe that as you follow Christ uh, and you are, uh, as, as you become a believer, you are indwelt by the, the Holy Spirit of God, right? He, he is, is in you, and because of that, He gives you gifts. He empowers you uh, to serve the Lord uniquely. And that's everyone who's a believer. We can look at Romans 12, Ephesians 4, or even here in chapter 12, and we'll see different examples of spiritual gifts. But here's the the point I I want you to to understand. In verse 7, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To each, everybody, everyone is gifted in some way to serve uniquely. There's varieties of gifts, varieties of service or places to serve, varieties of activities, different ways of doing things. And so God's made you to serve in some way to each. Everyone can serve. Everyone's been gifted in that way to serve. And you might say, but you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm younger. Are you in each? And you've been gifted to serve. But, but, I, but I'm, I'm a lot older than I used to be. Are you in each? Then you've been gifted to serve. But, but you don't know where I came from. I have a history. Are you in each? All right? Then you have a place to serve. But I don't know a lot about the Bible. Are you in each? Then God has gifted you to serve in a specific way. But, but I'm new here. I'm new to all this. Are you in each? Are you a follower of Christ? 
And you've been gifted day one. You've been gifted to serve in some way. So every church member is gifted. Not only that, every church member number two is necessary. There's another argument here for for real community in the church. And and here it is right here. We need each other's gifts. Paul kind of switches gear and he starts using this this body metaphor. We're part of the body of Christ. And look at what he says in verse 12. For just as the body is one... And as many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. So individually, we are individual members that make up the body of Christ. He keeps going in verse 17. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of uh, hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. So we are incredibly different in here. But whatever your gifting is, it's necessary. It's needed, right? God called you in. He made you a part of His body for a reason. There is no appendix in the body of Christ, alright? It's not necessary. Every part of the body of Christ is necessary. There is a but, though, alright? So that's some self-examination. But anyway, every part is necessary in the body of Christ, no matter what you think it is. And, and, and think about that. Think about something that you might think is insignificant, right? Like, what, let's say you lost your sense of smell. Well, it's not your sight. Sight's really important. It's not your hearing. Hearing's really important. It's just your smell. But what? It, it affects everything. It affects the, the way you interact with the rest of the world. It, it affects the way things taste. It affects the, the, the way that you experience uh, uh, the rest of the world. It affects the way your, your memories are saved in your brain. It's a big deal. So whatever your gifting is, it's a big deal. If we don't have it, we are handicapped. In, uh, in 1981, in March of 1981, uh, President Reagan was shot. Um, and uh, some of you might remember that. And, and so I don't know if you remember how long it took him to get back to the White House, but it took him almost a month to be back in the White House. That same year, 1981, in Philadelphia, the garbage, uh, the garbage men went on strike for three weeks. And in three weeks, uh, the city shut down. The entire city shut down. And, and it, had to, it had to do whatever they wanted. It had to meet their demands, right? In three weeks, with the president laid up, the country kept going, right? In three weeks of garbage men not picking up the garbage, Philadelphia shut down. And so we think, what's more important, the president of the United States or the garbage collector? They're both important. They're both very, very important. And and one that might seem insignificant is urgently needed. There might be some of you who think that that's me. I'm the garbage collector, right? It's urgently needed. A biblical example of this, I was talking to a friend of mine this week, and, and, and he was talking about a sermon he listened to, and, and, and I was like, man, that's a great illustration, stolen. So anyway, uh, you guys might know the story of the man who's brought to Jesus who is paralyzed. And so his four friends pick him up on the mat, and they bring him to where Jesus is. They can't get in the house, so they take him up on the roof, and they start pulling the roof off, and they lower him down with the rope to Jesus. We don't know their names. Right? I don't know if they, were, if, if they were great speakers. I don't know if they could sing or anything like this. Here's what I know. I know they could hold a rope. That's what I know. That's what I know. I know they can hold a rope. And guess what? God changed everything. God changed their friend's life forever. God used their friend to, to, to even confront some Pharisees in the room. We're still talking about it. It's in the Bible. 
And what did these guys do? They just held a rope. How insignificant does that seem? And sometimes your abilities, your talents, your gifts might seem insignificant. They might not seem special. They might be the equivalent of, I'm just holding a rope, right? What's the big deal here? But you know what? That, um, when you're holding that rope, on the other end of that rope, God is doing something amazing. God's doing something amazing. And so, there's a lady in this room, her gift is encouragement. And so, you know what? She does it with everything that she is. And she's an incredible service to our church. She holds her rope. There's a person who's sitting right over there, and they're, they're, they can smile, and they can make sure that kids don't run out of the classroom. And guess what? They're serving their church well, and they're holding the rope. There's a guy in this room whose brain doesn't work like mine, and he helps me think through and pray through things that relate to the church. He's just holding the rope with his weird brain, right? But he's holding the rope, and he's serving the church well. And so you might be just holding a rope, but on on the other end is God doing something incredible in your obedience. So why don't we pursue our gifting? If that's true, right? If that's true, why don't we pursue our gifting? Here's why I think. It's because we don't deem them honorable. I get up in front of you almost every week, and you see me, and you can hear me, and, and so you know what? You honor me a lot. The same thing with Brother John. The same thing with Peter. I get honored because you can see me, you see what I'm doing. And so you come say nice things to me or, or you give me a, a gift card for Christmas or, or you know what, I'll take a gift card for January. January is a cool month. Anyway, but, but, but you do, you, you honor me a lot. And so you deem that, that honorable because you can see it. But most gifts and most service in the church, it's not up front. It's behind the scenes. It's, it's, it's dirty, it's gritty, right? It's, it's doing the stuff no one wants to do. And so, so we deem them dishonorable and, and we don't pursue them. And that what, that's exactly what was happening in Corinth. But, number three, every church member is honored equally. Honored equally, number one, by the Lord. Verse 11, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as He wills. As He wills. So the gifting you've been given, the talents you've been given, this was the Lord's plan, okay? You might, you might have a voice uh, of an angel. You might have a voice of a garbage disposal with a penny in it, right? But God, this was God's plan, okay? He's gifted you in a specific way. And look at verse 24. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. The Lord gives honor to the part that lacked it. We see in Jeremiah 17.10, he says, I, the Lord, search all hearts, examine secret motives, and I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. You might feel like, like what you're doing isn't, it doesn't matter. You might feel like, you know what, I'm not being honored. Like no one's giving me gift cards, right? But the Lord doesn't miss it. The Lord honors you. And the second thing, every church member is honored equally by the church members. Look back at verse 25 or 24. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. Look at verse 25. That there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. I read that scripture and it, it almost knocked me out of my seat. That the members may have the same care for one another. It made me stop and think who have I missed? Like, like, who do I not show the same amount of care for and concern simply because they're more hidden? 
Who, is there somebody that I walk by in the hall? Is it, is it because they look different than me? Is it because they're older? Is it because they're younger? Are there people that are serving me regularly that, that, I, that I take for granted? That I don't show the same amount of care for? Who opened the doors this morning? Who made sure that these slides were up here, right? Who vacuumed this room? Who's praying for me regularly, right? And, and this was incredible that, that just as the Lord honors all of us equally, we are to honor and care for one another equally. Isn't that phenomenal? There's nothing else like the church. If that's true, there's nothing else like the church. And look at verse 26. When we care for each other equally, look at what happens in verse 26. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member's honored, all rejoice together. I think I've used this scripture, I think I've used it secondary meaning a lot. Meaning that, that if you don't, you know, if one suffers, all suffer. So if you don't use your gift, we all feel it, right? We all feel the void. And that's true. But I think the context of this is a little bit different. I think the, the main purpose of the scripture is this. That we should have such equal care and respect for one another that when one of us suffers, we choose to suffer with them, right? Because we choose to have that same amount of care. And when one of us is honored, we're going to rejoice with them. We're not going to be jealous. We're going to rejoice with them because we deeply care about them. So fourthly, every church member loves. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13. When, when I first was reading through 12, 13, and 14, I thought, 13's weird, right? Why is it right here in the middle of everything, right? This, is, this, is the, this should be in another book of the Bible called Stuff to Read at Weddings, right? Why is this right here? Because chapter 12 is, uh, Corinth, you, you really, you got some issues here, right? Chapter 13, love, 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 love. Chapter 14, Corinth, back to your problems. Why is this here? Well, think about it, what he just said. He just talked about your giftings, how important they are, how we need one another, how they're equal in honor. And then check this out. Chapter 13. Look at verse 1. This blew my mind. After reading chapter 12, this blew... How did I read chapter 13 at all those stupid weddings and not pick up chapter 12? Check this out. If I speak in the tongues of men of angels... Okay, that's a gifting from chapter 12, remember? Tongues, right? But have not love... I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers, gifting. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have all faith, another gifting from chapter 12. Faith, so as to remove the mountains but have not love, I'm nothing. If I give away all that I have, if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. If you do your gift perfectly, as chapter 12 would absolutely want you to do, without love, it's wasted. Isn't that incredible? Tongues, clanging cymbal. Prophetic powers, I just moved a mountain. Nothing. I, I gave up everything I had. I, I had my body burn. You gain nothing without love. So here's the reality. God will do more through an imperfect gift with love than a perfect gift without love. Isn't that incredible? So the main issue in, in, in us serving one another is not the quality of of the gift, but it's the quantity of love that accompanies that gift. Isn't that incredible? So what is love then? Baby, don't hurt me. What is love? Verse 4, love is patient and kind, doesn't envy or boast, it's not arrogant or rude, it doesn't insist on its own way. It's not irritable, resentful, it does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. I, I love this scripture about love because it's so much better than what, what our world gives us for love. 
love is something you fall into, right? Therefore, it's something you can fall out of, right? It's an emotion. It's a feeling. I feel different all the time, right? I felt good. And I don't know, I ate at El Mezcal. I don't feel good anymore, right? Feelings change. Things change. That, that's, not, that's, that's not the same. But there's nothing here about feelings. There's nothing here about circumstance. Love is a choice. Love is a choice. So I don't have to worry about exercising my gifts and going, but I don't feel, I don't feel very lovey-dovey right now exercising my gift, right? doesn't matter how you feel. It's a choice. It's a choice to be kind. It's a choice to be patient. It's a choice not to insist on your own way. It's a choice not to be rude. I love that idea. So our priority should not be how to be experts of spiritual gifts. That should be a priority. But our priority should be experts of 1 Corinthians 13 love. A constant question in our head should be, is this loving? When I'm crafting a sermon for you, I should ask, is this loving? When confronting someone, is this loving? When I'm posting something to Facebook, is this loving? When I'm having a conversation at Wednesday night dinner, is this loving? When we are responding to a hurt, is this loving? When we're trying to make a decision as a group about something, I'm going to give you my opinion. Is this opinion loving? Is the way I'm speaking it loving, right? Is this loving? We should be students of this. I don't want to move past this. I, I know I've got to. I know we've got to get to the next point, but I don't want to move past this because uh, so much of my criteria of whether or not I should say or do something, so much of my criteria is how does it make me look or how does it make me sound? That's so much of my criteria. Anybody, anybody can be honest, anybody that's them too, so much of my criteria is that. Rarely, if ever, do I ask that question, is this loving, Right? My first thought is, how does this make me look? Do I look cool, right? Or can I win the argument? Can I get my way if I say this or do this? So if you miss everything else I say today, if you've, if, if you've completely tuned me out, can, can you come back for like 30 seconds? Let me tell you this. If you miss everything else, you want to be a functioning church member? Well, one, stop tuning the pastor out. That's bad. But anyway, if you, if you want to be a functioning church member and you want to forget everything else, be a loving church member. That's, that, I don't know what else to say, right? Like, like, be kind and be patient, right? Give people the benefit of the doubt, right? That kind of love, it changes the world. That kind of love is not found in the world. So be a loving church member. I, oh, I wish we could just stay there, but... Number five. All right, every church member serves one goal. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7 To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. Okay, we're given gifts for the common good. I told you we'd hit chapter 14, so let's do that right now. Go to 14, look at verse 12. Look at verse 12. So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, I want the Spirit to be here. I want Him to do things here. I want Him to to gift us in, in a special way. I want our church to be filled with the Spirit here. I want to see Him do things that only He can do. Strive to excel in building up the church. Do you want to see those things? Strive to excel in building up the church. But wait, hang on. 
I've been a church member longer than you, Grant. I know that our main goal is soul winning, right? I know that our main goal is making Jesus famous. I've heard you say making Jesus famous is our goal. I know that's our main goal. Isn't feeding the hungry our goal? Isn't that what we're going to have a, a meeting about? Isn't getting people outside of these walls to know Jesus is? That's our goal. That should be our main goal, shouldn't it? Yes, 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 yes. Those are all good goals. But how does God choose to meet those goals? Through his church. Through his church. And if we want God to meet those goals, should we offer him a healthy church? Or should we offer him a church or a a body that's not connected? Should we offer him a body that's, instead of moving the same direction, is seizing? Right? I I want to blow your mind with this, this last scripture. Turn to Acts chapter 2. I know it will be on the screen, but I, I want you to see it. Look at, turn to Acts chapter 2. Look at verse 42. Look at this. Look at this right here. This church, their goal was to excel in the building up of the church. Look at what happened. Look at what happened. Check this out. Verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayers, and all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. Stop. Before that last verse, let's just stop right there. All right. So they're excelling in building up the church. And guess what happens? The manifestation of the Spirit happened. Check what out. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Their goal was building up the church, loving one another, encouraging one another, challenging one another, holding one another accountable, and the Lord showed up. So if you're eager for the manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in the building up of the church. I'll give you a great example of this. Um, on Christmas Eve, we had a service here. Uh, my brother from Chicago was in town, and he came. He came to the Christmas Eve service. Listen to what he posted on Facebook uh, just this week. He, he tagged a, an article with it, so it's going to mention an article. He tagged an article with it. Here's what he said. Spending Christmas Eve with Grant and Angela at their church was the first time I ever thought A pure Christ-like love for people was possible. Let's hope their church and people like the man who wrote this article will continue to grow and influence the rest of Christianity. The world needs them. Sinners, their brothers and sisters, need them. My brother comes in here, no understanding, no, no true knowledge of Jesus. He knows, yeah, he knows the story. But he doesn't know Jesus. And you loved him. And you loved one another. And the Spirit showed up. And it knocked some scales off of my brother's eyes. Isn't that phenomenal? Isn't that phenomenal? Was your goal that evening? Was your goal, thank you, was your goal that evening? I'm going to go up to Drew. I'm going to evangelize Drew. That's what I'm going to do, 
right? No, I'm going to go up to Drew, and I'm going to tell him everything he's doing that I think is wrong, right? No, you know what? We're going to have the best music ever. We're going to show Drew that, that Christian music, that's the right kind of music. No, you loved each other. You were the church. And the Holy Spirit showed up. It showed up. So if we're striving to excel in the building up of the church, our, main, our question should be mainly not... Uh, it shouldn't mainly be where is a need that the church, uh, in my life, the church isn't meeting. Mainly our thought should be, our question should be for ourselves is, where is a need in the church that I'm not meeting? Where is a need in the church that I could be meeting? So if we ask that question, if we answered it, look at what the scriptures promise. The manifestations of the Spirit are waiting. God will do things we can't even imagine. They were looking at one another and figuring out, how can I love better? How can I serve my brothers and sisters better? How can I hold them more accountable? How can I show them more of who Jesus is through the way that I live? And the Spirit showed up so that every day people were walking up and going, I want to be a part of that. No, I want to be a part of that. And i got to imagine they're sitting there going, what's going on here? We're striving to excel in the building up of the church, and the Spirit keeps blowing our doors off. I want to see that, church. I want to see people be fed by the thousands in the name of Jesus. I want to see people streaming through church doors looking for hope because they see hope in us. I want that. I want the Spirit to blow these doors off. And if we want that, if you want that, and if I want that, then it starts with what? We need to strive to excel in the building up of the church. We need to strive to excel in using our gifts to serve the church and to serve one another and to further the cause of Christ among one another. So in closing, I want to say this sounds impossible. I mean, it does. Like, we're really diverse. Remember, he kept saying, we have variety. We're diverse people. And we don't all get along. I know that. Some of you in here might not even get along with me. There's something wrong with you. But you might not, right? We're diverse. But, but you understand, this love I'm talking about, it's not like anything we've ever seen before. It came to us in an impossible manner. The God of the universe became like us in sinful flesh and for sinful flesh, died on the cross for us, and was raised from the dead. This love that we're talking about, it is impossible. That's the God we serve. He's impossible. And so it is possible for us, as the impossible God has called us to do something, He's already done. He's already loved us like this. He's already displayed it like this. Unless, listen to me. Some of you might be feeling incredibly inadequate. Yeah, me too. You might be feeling, I, you know what? I, can't, I don't know if I can do this, right? I don't know if I can excel in the building up of the church, right? But listen. Jesus didn't call you to the church because He didn't think He could enable you to do what He's called you to do. In fact, Jesus believed so much you could do what He's called you to do. He believed so much that He would enable you to do that, that He died for you. You think He's going to just throw that away? No. He died for you. He believes in Himself, in you. So, for some of you, uh, maybe you have this book. If If you flip over your little note card there, each chapter ends with a little pledge. We're not going to collect them. My gosh, we're not going to. That'd be so inappropriate and weird. We're not going to collect them, all right? 
That pledge is simply saying, uh, uh, if you want to read that chapter, I think it will be helpful for you, but that pledge is simply saying what we said today. It's just a commitment that maybe you want to take this home. Don't sign it, don't sign it flippantly, okay? Maybe you want to take it home. Maybe you want to uh, pray about it. Maybe you want to talk to the Lord about it, right? This is just a, a something, for, something tangible for you to put your hands on um, and remind yourself uh, before the Lord even. Um, what it means to be a church member, and, and, and what you need Him to help you do, right? That's going to help me pray more about how to be a better church member, right? Um, so, so that's there for you, and, and also, um, some, of you, uh, some of you this morning, maybe you've been, maybe you're a follower of Jesus, and maybe you've been playing church, right? And church is just, you've, you've shown up at church because, well, you, when you want Jesus, you show up at church. When you want a sandwich, you show up at Lenny's, right? And so you just, you just kind of play in church. And so today, we're about to sing a song. Maybe some of you, um, maybe you need to join the church. Like, for real, join the church. And, and get plugged in and figure out how you can serve here and, and how you can excel in the building up of the church. Um, and so for others of you, though, uh, maybe there's some of you in here who um, member, like, forget member, um, Maybe following Jesus is something you've never done. You know, maybe maybe uh, uh, surrendering your life to Him is something you've never done. Maybe you come in here and, and, and maybe you pray and it's the new year and so you say, God, please help me do better this year, right? I had a rough year last year. Please help me do better, right? And you're hoping that you'll do good enough and one day you'll end up in heaven and yay, right? You know? But, but the reality is, like, I'm a church member and, and, and I'm a Christian not because I got it together, no, 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 right? Hang out with me for a week. No, please don't, right? Like, I don't, I don't have enough medical releases. But, but no, 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 no. My righteousness, everything that about me that, that I think is the best, it's, it's filthy rags in front of a perfect God. I stand before God forgiven and new, not because of what I've done, but because of what He's done. In club membership, you pay your way into a club, Right? In church membership, He bought me. He bought me. He shed His blood for me. And so I'm forgiven because of His shed blood, not because of what I've done. So some of you in this room, maybe, maybe Jesus has been something that's been at arm's length for you. Maybe today is the day that that changes. Maybe today is the day where, where you understand that what Christ did on the cross was, was for you. And it's once and for all. You can stand before God knowing that you'll be with Him now and forever simply by following Him, by believing in Him, by surrendering to Him, by saying, I'm not going to live my life my way anymore. I'm going your way now, right? So maybe that's you today. Maybe you need to tell the Lord that. Maybe you need simply just in your own words, in the quietness of your own heart, right? You don't have to stand up, say it out loud, but just, just tell the Lord that. The Lord, I, I want to live for you now. I, I don't want to do it my way anymore. May 2014 be a brand new start for me. Would you forgive me? Here's what the scripture says. If, if you follow him, if you ask for his forgiveness, he'll make you new. He'll separate your sins from you as far as the east is from the west. You'll be brand new. And he'll come into your heart. Remember I said the Holy Spirit indwells believers. He'll indwell you right now. And you'll be his forever. He's bought you. So maybe that's you. Maybe you need to do that today. Well, I think we're going to sing a song. No one's walked up. Are we? Are we, we got one? Okay, excellent. Uh, we're going to sing a song now. And so, I don't know how you need to respond, Christians. Like some of you, I don't know. Maybe you. Maybe you do need to come forward. Maybe you want to to kneel and and um, and pray here. Maybe you want to pray with us. Maybe 
Maybe you need to repent of some things where you've made the church serve you. Um, I certainly did this week preparing for this message. Um, maybe that's you. Maybe, maybe some of you need to come forward and figure out, how do I join the church? How do I, how do I really get into this now? I see it as crucial. How do I get into it now? Come, come forward. I'll be right here. Brother John will be right here. Just come on forward um, and talk to us. I'd love to give you some more information about that. We'll, we'll get you hooked up. We'll get you connected. Maybe some of you, and most importantly, um, maybe you need to follow Jesus for the first time today. Maybe no more arm's length. Like now it's for real. Now you're going to ask for forgiveness. You're going to become a new creature. You're, you're going to let Him come into your life and change you. If that's you, you come forward too. It's not that walking this aisle is going to make you a Christian. It's not going to save you. The attitude of your heart does that. If that's really your desire, then He is waiting for you today. But come forward. I'd love to pray with you and talk with you about what's next. How do you, how do you follow Jesus? What, what's that about? But we'll be down here. So whatever you need to do, you respond to the Lord this morning, all right? Let's stand. Let's sing this, this chorus together.